Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going back into Matthew and doing another parable of Jesus, the parable of the tenants. That's right, Two Fish community. We are back with another episode. And like Nick said, we're going to Matthew 21, uh, verses 33 through 46, verse Greatly appreciate you tuning in. Uh, make sure you go and leave that five-star review. Leave us a like, a thumbs up, follow us on Facebook. And share it. Share these episodes on all your social media because it does help with um, spreading of what we're doing here. So straight into it, Matthew 21, a little bit of context. We actually should have done this episode before or during, I should say, our Holy Week episode because this takes place, what we're going to read here, during that week. It's probably, I would guess, maybe the second or third day of Holy Week. Jesus has gone into the temple, cleared house. Flipped tables. Yeah, and then the next couple of days, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those guys are starting to challenge him. And this is where we find Jesus telling these parables in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get the fruit. So there's just kind of the setup of the story. He's got this land. Hey, I, I should do something with this land. I'm going to get it all ready. I mean, he's put some money into it. This is a business owner who's put some money into his product here. He's built a tower. I assume that's for watching over it. He dug a wine press. Clearly, they're doing fruit of some kind to make wine. And then he's found some tenants, some workers who will work this field for him. Yeah, uh, I'll point out one of the things uh, my Bible read here, and I am in the uh, NIV this week. They did call it a watchtower in mine. So obviously, it okay, would yeah. be a watchtower. They're watching over the land. Obviously, tenants, those would be like renters. So it's leased land to somebody else to take care of. And then, like, uh, the person, the servants in this would be, obviously, the person, the landowner's workers that he sent down there to collect his portion of the fruit uh, for his payment for leasing the land to them. Yeah, so these tenants would have worked the land through through the year, getting it ready for harvest, and then at the end of the year, they would get a cut of what they earned and how they how it produced. And so the landowner is sending in, like you said, his servants to collect what was due to him. So then continuing on here, verse 35, and the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent servants more than the first and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But the, when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So their response to the owner coming to collect what is rightfully his is to beat and kill everybody. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. They, he sends the servants in, said, hey, it's time to pay up. Harvest has come. And they decide, hey, let's just beat the crap out of this guy. And we'll just keep the profits for ourselves. Right. Which doesn't really make any sense because it's not their property some hostile tenants yeah almost like squatters like 
they're going to take the credit for everything that's happened, even though the landowner bought the land, probably planted all the vineyard, paid for all that, and the tenants are maybe a little bit greedy and like, hey, we're the ones doing all the work. Yeah. We're going to keep this. You can send whatever servants you want, but we're just going to kill. And so then the father saying, geez, these, look what they're doing to my servants. I'm going to send my own son, the heir of the owner of this. He's going to go in there and they're going to respect him because of, he's got my name. And obviously, like we read, they decided, hey, if we kill this guy, we'll get the property. So you would send your your trusted partner, right? So this is a business. You sent some workers down there and they don't report back. So you're going to send somebody you trust. So he sends his son, right? Like I need you to go and look and see if my servants are just not bringing back my portion. Like what's going on? I need you to go down there and inspect, figure out what's going on. Yeah. Little they know his son was going to get killed too. And, and I mean, it's clearly greed. They probably saw how well the harvest was. Geez, look how much money there is. Look how much profit there was in this. We don't want to give it up. Like you said, we did all the work and just greed kicks in, I guess. So the father sends his son. They decide, hey, let's kill him and we'll get the land. So then verse 40, Jesus turns back to the Pharisees and he says, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? So he's, he's asking the question. He's saying, how would you guys, resp- how should he respond? And of course, the Pharisees answer. They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to another tenant who will give him the fruits in their seasons. So he's, he's saying they need to get what they deserve. This is not their land. They've done wrong. Rightfully and justfully, they should get what they did to the servants and the son. And then what you could do is you can give this land to people that will respect him and will do the job that they were hired to do. Yeah, and he spoke very harshly to that. Like, it's not very nice. He will bring those wretched to a wretched end. So he's going to kill them in a manner far worse than what was described of how they killed the servants, right? Like, they stoned them. And, but the way that reads, like, we're going to do far worse to those tenants than yeah. what was done to the servants and the son. It's like almost like a, we're going to send a message. This is never going to happen again. How dare they? It wasn't theirs. It was mine. They were hired to do a job and they took advantage and were greedy about it. Those guys are going to get more than they deserve for doing what they're doing, especially when they killed his own son. I can't imagine this father, when he finds out this, is going to be angry and he's going to demand punishment for this. So here we go. Here comes Jesus, comes in, swooping in. I'm going to slap you around a little bit here. So Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? And he's talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the time, right? Have you never read the scriptures? Do you not know? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So that scripture would come out of Psalms 118, 22, and 23 that Jesus was uh, quoting back to. Verse 43 here goes on, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Yeah, I love how you said there, here he, here he goes, talking to these Pharisees. 
Remember who these Pharisees are. Remember who the scribes are. They are the teachers of the law. They know the law frontwards, backwards, inside, out. They know every bit of it. And so Jesus is saying, you guys should know this. You guys should get this. And it's a cultural thing. Even some of those Pharisees probably own some land. I mean, these guys were living fat off the temple. We looked before in Holy Week. They were selling. They were bribing. They were making money off this. They probably own land themselves. This was a cultural thing for them to do this. They were selling the animals to people that probably couldn't afford them for the burnt offerings as they walked into the temples. So they would take, they probably, some of them took this money, bought land, and did this exact same thing that he's saying. And he's saying, you guys should know where this story is going. Think about the Old Testament that you have learned and quoted yourself. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And so now, verse 45 When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. Although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. So verse 45 there, they're realizing, oh no, he's talking about us. We are those tenants. So let's kind of go back real fast through the story a little bit and now look at from that lens where Jesus has revealed, hey, this is biblical. This is about you guys and about me. So up at the top, the master has the land and he builds the land and he puts a watchtower and he he makes it a beautiful vineyard that can grow crops and fruit and all this stuff. And then he gives it to some tenants and says, work this for me. Right. So the, the landowner would obviously be God. We could assume the land would have been Israel, the promised land that that Moses led, led everybody to go back and read this and put God in there. And think about the land uh, is Israel and the vineyard that these Pharisees are supposed to be working. They're supposed to be producing some fruit. And basically, as we continue to walk back through this, that's not what's happening. Yeah. The Pharisees were put there as the tenants to take care of God's people, to take care of God's land, to teach them, to grow them into something good for God. And they they didn't. They took advantage of it. They got greedy. They They were put in this position to lead the Israelite people, the Jewish people during this time, to be looking for the Messiah when he comes. And instead they said, look at us. Let's profit off of this position we have. And they stopped leading God's people in a way that can, hey, we're looking for the Messiah. Here he is. And so they potentially, they're killing these people. They're condemning these people to potential eternity of of death instead of, of life in Jesus. And we can also, we, we have God in the story and we have the Pharisees in the story, the servants that come in to say, hey, okay, we need to start reaping this harvest. Those could be the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, these Old Testament prophets that are coming here and saying, hey, this is what God says. He, we need to lead these people. And the Pharisees of that time and the leaders of that time said, no, 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 we're making money here. We're profiting from it. I don't care about the master. I care about my name and how I look. And so that's what they're starting to do. And they end up killing all these prophets. So what does God do? God says, okay, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send the Messiah that they've been looking for. When they see him, they'll know. And in the story, obviously they know the son because when they see him coming, they say, hey, look, there's the heir. So they know it's him. But what do they do? Right. At this point, 
they haven't done it yet, right? So Jesus is speaking to what they're going to do to him. Yeah. And ultimately, he's going to end up dying on the cross for us. And they they ridicule him. They whip him. They stab him. And they hang him on a cross until totally bleeds out and, and dies. We're back into now verse 40 when Jesus is asking, what should this landowner do to these people? And they've already condemned now themselves because now they're realizing this story is about them. They've said, well, these people should be killed and taken away and it should be given to other people. They're realizing, no, oh, crap. We just said that he should kill us and get rid of us. And they're realizing that the stone that the builders rejected, which is Jesus, is going to become the cornerstone. I don't think they realize that, though. You don't think they realize the stone part? Yeah. I don't think they realize he's going to become the cornerstone. Maybe not. Because their reaction, as we get to verse 45, is or 46, they look for a way to arrest him. I think if they would have put the puzzle pieces together, they wouldn't have wanted to arrest him. That could be true. Yeah. Maybe they would have realized. A little more convicted and like, oh, maybe maybe we're doing this wrong. See, I, st- I think that some of them probably did realize maybe Jesus is the Messiah, but that's bad for business. That's bad for us. So their their greed outweighed their... I think some of them were like that. I think probably some of them turned. Some of them didn't like that, and some didn't believe. I think you got all three of them. That's true. And probably. In, in this case, they're looking to arrest him, verse 46, but they couldn't because they feared the crowds, because the crowds see Jesus as a prophet. The crowds, he's rolling in, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're realizing he's the Messiah. Yeah, the, ki- the kids were... We're yelling those praises even. Yeah. And so they can't just arrest him right there. And later in the story, like we talked about in the Holy Week episode, they're going to do it in the dead of night with a betrayer who's going to kiss Jesus. And they're going to do it all secretive because they know, hey, if we do this in front of the people, the people are going to turn on us. This is bad for business. This is bad for us. But we need to do this in a way where we don't look like the bad guys. You know, you, the way you describe that, that, they went to great lengths to try and do that, mm-hmm. to try and cover it up and to try and make it look like it was his own fault that he was in that scenario and that it, it had nothing to do with their view on the way things were going. Yeah, The Pharisees were the owners of the land. They were supposed to be producing fruit, but instead they were only collecting money. They were not producing the fruit. They were, as you're pointing to, very greedy, but they went to great lengths to try and cover it up and to get rid of it. And it had gone on for centuries. They keep continuing. God kept sending people, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I think he was sending those people as a warning. Hey, you need to change this. Here's an opportunity to correct this. And then there was a period of 400 years, I think it is, where no prophets, no word from God. And then the Messiah shows up. So that whole time, they they didn't heed the warnings. And then they went for a period of time where they didn't care. And it was all about them. So now continuing this into, maybe pointing into after Jesus and into the church era of Christianity, back in verse 41, they said to him, this is the Pharisees answering Jesus, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. They're, they're themselves are kind of almost foreshadowing what's going to happen is 
Jesus is saying the Jews have rejected me. I came, you knew I was coming. I came, you rejected me. You rejected the cornerstone. So what God's going to do is he's going to say enough Jews. You didn't accept me. So now I'm going to take you out of the equation and I'm going to allow another group of people to work the harvest, to work the fruit, to work the land, to enjoy the land because they were getting something out of it. They were working the fields. They were getting something out of it in return. I'm going to allow another group of people to enter the scene, which we know now is Gentiles, right? which is us. He's opened the gospel. Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He came from the Gentile for the Gentiles as well. Which we, we find that through the teachings of Paul and Peter, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah, I think that's a great point to the, the verse 41. Like it's, it is that foreshadowing of ultimately what Jesus came for. And that was basically flip it upside down. Yeah. Similar to what he did with that table and the temple. I'm done. I've sent you three major prophets and you killed them all. Now my son is here and you're going to do the same thing. You're going to reject him. You're not going to accept him for who he is. He's been performing miracles upon miracles at this point. Like they should be recognizing this guy is, this guy is something yeah. more than any previous prophet or any previous human that had walked this earth. And they're just completely rejecting that, that concept and that fact basically. Yeah. So now let's look at, I guess, in modern day church, modern day church. Uh, this is what's been stewing in my head all day. Like you walk into the front of your church, you, you walk in through the parking lot, call that our, our vineyard. Right. And what's like the first thing you see in your church? Well, typically it's a rack of t-shirts. Mine would be coffee. Coffee. Yeah. It's one of the first things. And usually there's coffee mugs with, you can buy a coffee mug with our church logo on it. Yeah. Which I, some of that's fine, but that's the first thing you see when you walk into the church. So are we, are we peddling merchandise again over Jesus? Yeah. I think you said this. I think it was last week or the week before you said it perfectly. Are we selling God or are we selling the church? Is that how you said it? It was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Are we, when people come to our churches, are we selling Jesus or are we selling our brand? Are we selling the name of your church? Are we selling the name of my church? Are we selling the experience of church? Are we selling them the gospel? And I think that applies here. When you walk into your church, is the fruit of your church or the people running your church, is it about the brand or is it about Jesus? And I, I think that's so good. I, I, I think I said that quote to someone else. I was talking to someone else um, that next week, and he's like, oh, man, that's a really good way to say that. I was like, yeah, that was Aaron on the Two Fish Podcast. You should go check it out and leave us a five-star review. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we walk in the church. For me, it, like we see the coffee stand. I go drink coffee. That's fine. Yeah. But as I continue to walk in this, like, and we walk through this parable, are we back to the days of – we're tenants and we're more worried about the profitability of the church. And let's take the church as a whole. Christianity as a whole is a multi-billion dollar industry. Are we getting it wrong again? Mm. Are we back to this parable? Are we now becoming the bad tenants where we're more worried about making a dollar than we are sharing the gospel of Jesus? Oh, that is so good. 
That's really good. I, oh man, are we more worried about ourselves, our numbers? I mean, let's take church worship. How many churches now have CDs out where they're writing their own music and they're, which I don't think, I don't think that stuff's bad, but if that's all it's about, we've lost sight on what we're doing. Right. You gotta, and I'm in this boat. Like, don't get me wrong. I gotta, I gotta hard check myself sometimes when I'm in the church or I'm wearing a, a church shirt or, or whatever. Um, as I'm speaking this, like I'm, I gotta check myself. I gotta make sure it's about Jesus. Yeah. And it's not about, can I sell the next song? Can I write this song? Will it be in the top 20? I don't write songs. I tried. I failed. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but, that's why we're here. <laughs> but, and, and the same thing with the podcast, it applies to us. Yeah. We get caught up in it all the time. Is we, it about the moments? Is it about the numbers for the podcast? And will we make a dollar? Or is it more important? like last week where we had a number of people reach out to us and they're like, Hey, that was awesome. That was really good. You shared that in a way I've never heard it. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it more about that and more about sharing Jesus to the people we don't even know that are listening? Yeah. Is that our focus or is our focus growing to a point where maybe we make a dollar? Yeah. And for the record, we have not made any money off this podcast and that's not really our, our plan right now, but I like how you said that though, because for us individually and for the po- the two fish podcast, you know, there's an, and we've talked about this before. There's analytics, there's numbers, how many people are listening, where they listen to, and that stuff's fun to watch to see it evolve and what it's become. But sometimes you look, you realize you looked at it twice in one day and you're like, it doesn't matter. You got to check yourself. Are those numbers good? Yes. We're spreading the news. We're sp- but then are do you look at the numbers and go how can we how can we make that better? Well, what is the reason for that? Yeah. What is the reason behind it? Can we make a better song at the church? Yes, we can make a better song, but what is the reason for that? Is it a reason to point to the brand in your church or is it a reason to hey, here's another way that we can glorify Christ? Right. Or go to numbers for the church. You know, they always challenge you to invite a friend. Yeah. Well, are you inviting your friend for the the right reason? Are you are you willing to invite your friend and then walk with him? Mm, not just bring him on Sunday morning, but talk to him on Monday about it. Right. Like there's that challenge in it, and we find that in Bible our Bible study we do on Monday nights. Sometimes you bring a new guy in, or even an existing guy, and like you got to walk with him. Yeah. You can't just hey come and hear this, come and listen to this. You got to be able to walk alongside them and reach out to them and be an actual friend and love on them, right? Like not just, hey, I brought a friend. We got another member of the church. I think that's where we get the Great Commission wrong. Did he say go out and preach the good news so they'll come back and our church will grow? Or did he say go out, preach the gospel, and make disciples? Well, a disciple is a follower. It's a learner. It's a someone that is going after something, not just someone that's sitting in a pew. Our job is, our role is not to do this podcast so we have a million subscribers it's are we together learning and growing together living life together are we doing those things are we becoming disciples or we just filling a pew and having some entertainment to listen to on sunday morning or wednesday morning when the podcast comes out so i'd say out of this man let's check ourselves just like these pharisees need to check themselves and sometimes you know you have that answer of he needs to kill those wretches 
And then sometimes you need to reflect and say, oh, no, I'm kind of looking like one of those wretches. Yeah, maybe maybe I need to kill that wretch that's inside me right now. Yeah. Continue to die to yourself and pick up your cross. Yeah. So I say this week, man, let's think about that. Let's pray on that. Is Are we the church? Am I as an individual? Are we falling back into this pattern of, hey, it's about me. It's about my brand. I'm getting greedy about the attention in whatever it is. Or... Are we looking for the son when he comes and say, oh, no, there's the heir. There's Jesus. It's not about the church. It's about Jesus. So take this week. Think about that. And join us next week back on the Two Fish Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, hit those like and subscribe buttons. Also, head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the Two Fish community and all of our social media platforms. Thank you.